Well, good morning. Good to see your smiling faces. Welcome to everybody watching and listening online. Great to have you here as well. What are we doing today? Oh, yeah. Um, as I was preparing for this week, I actually had like three different uh, messages in the queue, and um, I thought the Lord kind of nudged me in a, in a direction this morning. A few months back, uh, I went to the deacons and to the advisory council uh, with what we're calling FBC 2.0. You might have heard that uh, phrase being uh, put out there, wrote about it in the newsletter, etc. Um, if you know anything about software, uh, now programs that we now commonly call apps, um, it's, it's released, uh, you know, they work on it, work on it, work on it, and then they release it in what they call a beta version. It's not quite ready yet, but they want to put it out there, get people using it so they can find out what bugs are in it, and then they fix it all, right, and get it all to where, okay, we've got a workable, you know, copy of this software to be able to be used, so we put it out as version 1, 1.0, okay? Then it's out there for a bit, and they say, oh, well, we've got to fix this, and we've got to fix this, we've got to do this over here and change this up a little bit. And uh, then we get these new ideas, right? Well, we want to add this and make this better and, and give more functions and all of that. So in addition to, you know, then 1.03 and 1.4 and 1.6 with all the little changes, then there's the new improved 2.0, right? That's the kind of thing that we're talking about. The whole idea behind FBC, First Baptist Church 2.0, as I shared in that newsletter, I really felt the Lord uh, speaking to my heart about uh, some things that come up every now and again that, that really come down to organization, uh, in, in the nuts and bolts behind the scenes in the church. As I noticed some things here and some things there, it's like, okay, it, it doesn't seem like we are uh, the best well-oiled machine that we can be. Um, not everybody is always on the same page as far as what procedures to follow, uh, who does what, when, why, who's responsible to who, on what board, and, and all those kinds of things. And the ironic thing is we get a lot of stuff done. You know, we really do. When you look at things from the parking lot to the heaters to the painting of this beautiful sanctuary, and you know, we get a lot of things done in this church. But because there is confusion sometimes and lack of communications, things don't always aren't always running as smooth as they could be, and sometimes feathers get ruffled along the way. Hey, we're human, right? So, you know, well-meaning people inadvertently, now and then, stepping on toes, bypassing some that feel disrespected, etc., etc. And what this does, it, it corrupts the um, sense of harmony in the church. And this, this is not a rampant, you know, huge thing. But I, I really felt the Lord saying, we need to fine-tune some things here. Um, we we want to develop as an, as an atmosphere or a culture within the church of honor and value and respect and unity and harmony. Because it, 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 so there's, it goes beneath the organization, right? 
to what's really going on in our hearts day in and day out. Do you recall the account of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11? Uh, The Bible says that the whole earth had one language, and this one group settled in the plain of Shinar, and they decided they wanted to make a name for themselves. They said, we are going to build this tower, and it's going to be massive. We're going to build this thing all the way up into heaven. And it was actually symbolic Uh, When you look at it in context, the significance is um, this was mankind in their strength going to God. Uh, You know, we can, we can, we, we're, we are, you know, the human uh, species and we're going to build a tower. We don't need God. We're going to build our own tower into heaven ourselves kind of thing. And as the account goes, God confused the languages. And the building stopped because they could no longer understand each other. I mean, can you imagine it? Uh, you know, hey, uh, hand me that hammer over there. Qu'est-ce que tu dis? Je ne comprends pas. You know, I mean, from God's perspective, that had to be so funny. Ustedes dos locos, right? What is going on here? Tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. But before that, there was a conversation in the Godhead, between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. And one said this, said, Behold, they are a one people, and they have one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. This is God's own commentary saying, Here they are. They have one language, they're all on the same page, they are unified, they are in harmony working together, and God says nothing they propose to do is going to be impossible for them. Do you see it? Now here they were in in pride and in arrogance, so God had to put a stop to things. But the principle is the same. When you have a group of people all on the same page, all in harmony and in unity of purpose, right? And the goals are the same. The sky's the limit. The sky is the limit. Jesus said this. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church, and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. How many want to penetrate the gates of hell in our community, right? And rescue those that are in the grip of the enemy. How many want to be that that city on a hill that can't be hidden? How many many want to make such an impact that people all around this church are are impacted by the love of God? What was Jesus' plan for building his church? Very simple, actually. One commandment. Just one. One commandment. Let's look at it. John chapter 15, beginning of verse 9. Jesus said, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment. Oh, it went from... Commandments to commandment. Interesting. That you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. 
I want to title the message this morning, One for All. One for All. A study of the Old Testament will reveal a total of actually 613 commandments. How'd you like to have those hanging over your head like the average Jewish person in the day of Jesus? Right? 613 commandments. Number one. I, ho- I hope nobody has plans for lunch. We got six. No, just kidding. No, these 613 commandments are derived from the original 10, right? They're an expansion on the original. How do you do the original 10? Here it is, 613 ways, right, to keep those. So now we're down to 10. Everybody say, whew. <laughs> and I'll do one better because Jesus, when he came on the scene, says, listen, I know you got 10. I can sum them up in two, right? He said, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, right? If, you do, if you're doing those, you're going to keep the rest of the 10. And guess what? You're going to keep the rest of the, 100, the 613 too, right? Now, Jesus says at this point to his disciples, his fledgling church, he says, now I'm just going to give you one, just one. Love one another as I have loved you. Someone will say, well, what about loving God? Isn't, isn't that important? <laughs> Absolutely. But look again at verse 10. He says, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus abode or lived, if you will, in a love relationship with the Father. How? By keeping his commandments. How how many know that truly biblically loving another person is not a piece of cake? Right? Biblically loving others is not easy. Why? Because biblical love, true love, is sacrificial, isn't it? It gives. God so loved the world, he gave. Jesus so loved the world, he gave. Right? Biblical love is sacrificial. 1 Corinthians 13, it's patient. Don't you hate he starts out with that one, the very first one? It's patient. Or I I like the King James with that. Long-suffering. Love is long-suffering. I'm not always long suffering. I, I I was trained my whole life, you know, to just react, to respond. I don't like that. Right? Like Eric said, first thing out of your mouth before you engage your brain or your heart. I don't like that. Right? That's wrong. Why'd you do that? Reactive, reactive. It's patient, it's kind. It doesn't demand its own way. It endures all things. It endures difficulties and keeps going. Can, can we be honest and say that goes against our natural tendencies as human beings? We are not naturally long-suffering or, or not wanting our own way or enduring, right? Why would we do that? Why would we decide to love in this way? Because we love God, right? 
because he first loved us, and so we want to please him and honor him. Because when we receive him, he puts his spirit in us, the spirit who is love. And so as we walk in the spirit, we walk in love. Right? And so, watch this, loving one another biblically, loving one another sacrificially is the evidence of our love for God. So if we're keeping the one commandment, that's showing us that we're keeping the other commandment. Because one builds off the other. Loving others is the outworking of our love for God, isn't it? You can't have one without the other. So keeping one commandment reveals keeping two commandments, which in turn keeps all the rest. And that one commandment is the foundation of the church with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. Therefore, it is the foundation of what we're calling FBC 2.0. See, when we begin this series of meetings, again, rubber hits the road kind of stuff, we're going to begin a series of meetings looking at the inner workings of the church and all the boards and committees and what they do and how they do it and how we should do it and all that kind of stuff. We're going to have all these discussions, right? Procedures and policies and who's responsible for what and responsible to whom, right? Now, I, I, I doubt it. But we might actually have a few differences of opinion as we go through some of these discussions. Just maybe, right? From the way it's always been done to different ideas about the best way to do things from different perspectives. And this is where Jesus' one commandment really needs to shine, right? That's where it needs to shine. This is where biblical love is put to the test. Love that is patient, that is kind, that does not envy or boast, that is not arrogant or rude, that does not insist on its own way, that is not irritable or resentful, that does not rejoice in wrongdoing but rejoices with the truth, love that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. See, what we are building in all of this is a culture. A culture that rests on a commitment before God. Each of us making a commitment before God, a commitment to the family of God. And so we build a culture, a culture that rests upon those kind of interactions and those kind of relationships with one another. Very easy to spot when it's not happening because, wait a minute, this is how we do this. This is the way that we all talk to one another. Not the way they do in the workplace. Not the way they do at school. Not the way they do on TV. We are the body of Christ. 
This is the way we do it. This is the way it happens in here. It's encouraging. It's strengthening. It's uplifting. It's building up. It's, it's doing all things for that sense of unity and harmony, loving one another, honoring one another, valuing one another. Everybody has input. Everybody's input is valuable. We might not go with that decision because the, 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 the majority says, no, we believe we need to go this way. But nonetheless, that, that input is still valued, right? And that person is still valued. And we know that walking into meetings. We know that walking into any, any ministry that we do. I am a valued part of this group. A culture that we're building. Okay? We're, we're going to address the nuts and bolts up here, but underneath, this is, this is the big stuff, right? How we are interacting, how we are responding. And we build that thing, right? Jesus says, this is what my church is going to be built on. It's an attitude that says, in humility, Philippians 2, counting others more significant than ourselves, right? An attitude that says, more important than any project, any program, or any procedure is that you're my brother and you're my sister. Right? More important at all. And I'm going to honor you. I'm going to respect you. I'm going to hear you. I'm going to value you. Right? And when we have that going on, and we have seen that in our church, you know, we have seen that. But when we have that consistently, when that culture permeates everything that we do, when it's the foundation upon which all of our meetings and our projects and our ministries rest, Jesus said, verse 11 of our text, that his joy would be in us and our joy would be full. There will be an atmosphere, not only of honor and value and respect and love, but an atmosphere of joy that is contagious. That's what's going to get us on the same page, speaking the same language. And God says when that happens, the sky's the limit. And Jesus said this in John 13, 35. He says, by this all people will know that you are my disciples because you have love one for another. You ever, you ever just look at that verse? Not because of your gifts, not because of your talents, not because of the things that you build and do and go with. The, the thing that's really the litmus test is your culture. How you interact with one another on a consistent, regular basis. This is what's going to make the gospel that we preach attractive to the world out there. Because you know what? The world out there is doing it. Our culture, especially since the pandemic, is just divisive, divisive, divisive. My way is right. Your way is wrong. Right? It's all about that. But that's not us. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. They, they can do that. Here, this is a different story. 
Here is where everyone is appreciated. Everyone is valued. Right? It'll make the gospel we preach more attractive. Likewise, turn it on its end, and if we got the same stuff going on in here that's going on in the world, that we preach the gospel of Jesus who's going to save you and change your life if our lives aren't changed, what does that do to our message? It doesn't work for them, (laughs) the ones that are preaching it, right? Yeah. So when they out there come in here for fish fries or youth group or Sunday services or VBS or whatever it is, when they see this kind of love and honor and value and respect lived out and they hear it in the conversations and they see how people treat one another, they're going to go, you know, I see the real Jesus there and I want to be a part of it. It will be put to the test. I guarantee at any time you have more than one person, you have more than one opinion. It's bound to be differing views, right? It happens. Any married people out there, give me an amen, you know. Two people. Sometimes with two people you have three opinions. <laughs> yeah. There will always be times always be times that we don't see eye to eye. But love dictates how we handle it. Graciously, with humility and honor. We're going to have times that we know that we're right. We know absolutely that we are right. And times for love's sake, for Jesus' sake, we're going to have to let that go. Or for love's sake and Jesus' sake, that we need to put our all, our all into something that we don't quite think is the right way to do it. I've shared this with some of you years ago, many, many, many years ago. I was in a church, and the pastor had uh, made a decision. He had talked to some people that worked on Sundays. He said, you know, when the time's right, I'm going to see if we can get a Saturday night service going for you guys. And uh, he came to the leadership and he said, I really believe the time is right. We need to have a Saturday night service. And I was, as an assistant pastor at that time, I was kind of overseeing like nursery and Sunday school and worship team and all this. And I thought, you know, there's areas in this that we're already stretched. And now you're going to double you're going to double the nursery. You're going to double the worship team. You're going to double Sunday school. You're going to, you're going to have all these teachers and all this. Uh-uh. I, I, I don't see this happening right now. And I gave my voice and you know conversations that I had with people and all this. And I got outvoted. I got outvoted that night. And I remember driving home with my tail between my legs Unhappy, unhappy thoughts going in my head. Um, Personal rejection, right? When our opinion isn't taken, you also feel personal rejection, and we need to be careful to validate people, even though we don't, you know, go go where they go. Um, But uh, I, I was I was quite upset, and as I'm driving home, I really felt the Lord saying to me, He said, Ron. 
I want you to support this as if it was your idea. Now, I know that that was God because that was the furthest thing from this natural mind. I wouldn't even, I mean, I could have talked myself into, okay, you got to do it. You, you, you got you, you to gotta go along with it, right? That was the best I could do. But God says, no, I want you to support this as if it was your idea. And I went, what? What? <laughs> That's impossible. He said, yeah, but with me, all things are possible, right? Said, oh, God. <sighs> okay. So I went to the head of Sunday school, and I went to the head of the worship team, and I went to the head of the nursery, and I said, guys, we've got this wonderful opportunity. We have people, you know, people that don't, aren't able to experience what we have on a Sunday morning because they work. They can't come to church. We need to do something for them. Can you catch the vision of this? And maybe we'll get other people in who work on Sundays that just, you know, have not been to church at all and, and all that. You know, there's good potential here. Yeah, we're already stretched. I know, but can you do this, right? Passionately. When down deep in my heart, I'm going, I don't really think this is the right time for this. But, you know, ah. sometimes we're going to have to do that. But I'll tell you, and, and, and I might not be able to point to something specifically, but I will tell you that following the Word of God always, always, always leads to a clean conscience and personal blessing. We might not get our way on something, but when we choose for conscience, for, for conscience toward God, I think that's Peter says that, when we you know, choose to suffer for conscience toward God, um, there is a blessing in it, a personal blessing for us. right? And we have a clean conscience. Because we didn't go to this person over here and go, can you believe what they're doing? Can you believe this decision? I told them. Nobody's listening to me. You know. And we're not doing that. And we're not saying, I'm not going to get involved. You're going to do it that way? Nope. You know, all, all these reactions that I've had in the past and that we can have, none of that, so that we can say, God, I'm doing this. For love of you, first of all, and for love of your church. This is the way that I'm going to respond. I will guarantee clean conscience, personal blessing, the joy that will eventually come from that. And you may be proven right when all is said and done. And you know when that happens, what's, what's going to happen? The next time you speak up at a meeting and you're the only one, everybody's going to go, hmm, they were right on that last one. You know what I'm saying? So that's the way it works. Not easy. Not natural. But I'll tell you, if we can build this culture, there are, there are hundreds of people out there that would love to be a part of an organization like that. Amen. Let me close with this, and this is the passage that the Lord led me to initially as uh, I was praying over all of this. Psalm 133, verses 1 to 3. Behold how good 
and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the beard, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. This is a picture of the anointing of the high priest. Right? They, they, they used to anoint with oil and not just a little dabble, do you? You know, they would pour this oil of anointing, whether it was the king or the prophet or the priest, right? Anointing, which was a symbol of the Holy Spirit just coming upon someone and anointing them with God's grace and His power and His energy and His blessing for service, right? The anointing. God is saying it's, it's like the anointing. When people dwell together like this, it's like that anointing. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. You know, this much-needed water that would water this valley area, right? This water coming down from the mountain that would, that would give life to this dry ground. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. When this culture of love and honor and value and humility shows itself in the greatest unity that this church has ever experienced, God says, I will end my blessing. And I believe as I read those verses, the Lord took that off the page and says, I've got something for you. I've got an impact in your community, the likes of which you have not seen before. I've got hungry people that, that have been closed off to the gospel, have been closed off to church. And when you begin to flow in this, I'm going to open the doors of your church and I'm going to lead people in because I love them and I want them to know me. I believe we have an opportunity here um, we, we already went to two services in the, in the pandemic. Um, we, we, we can do that, right? Uh, I believe there's, there's a blessing coming. That when the inner workings of the church are like this, God says, you're a healthy church, I'm going to bring people in. And we're going to see, not numbers for numbers' sake, numbers... For the kingdom's sake. Numbers of people who are lost and addicted and, and just going nowhere fast and, and all kinds of things. That God's going to be breaking down walls and delivering people from things and healing people and just... Book of Acts. Read it. <laughs> the, the, the things that God can do through a church that's on fire for Him like that. One for all. One for all. One commandment for all the rest. For joy, for harmony, for anointing, and for community impact. Amen? Can we do it? With His help? Not on our own, right? But it does. It takes that sense of personal commitment. When the when there's a disagreement, this is where, God, we're going to do this. We're going to love. We're going to value. We're going to honor. We're going to be humble with one another and see what God will do in this place.
FBC 2.0. So now you know what it's all about, and uh, let's get ready and move forward. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit in our hearts, God, because, again, this, this is not natural human stuff. But with your Spirit living in us, with your power, Lord, we can make these decisions and uh, build, Lord, this culture that you said would be at the heart of everything. So let your heart be our heart and be glorified in us and through us. Accomplish your purposes, Lord, for your glory. And God, Lord, when we have taken a group of people sometimes for granted, we didn't listen. We wanted our own way. God, forgive us. Forgive me, Lord, for any time that I have wounded someone in this family by, by them make, not making them feel valued and loved and cared for and appreciated. Help us, Lord, by your Spirit, and bring your blessing on this church in Manchester for your glory. 225 years, Lord. Thank you. May the, may the glory of this house shine as a beacon in this community for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.